I'm Jennifer Palmer, I'm the host of Online for Authors. Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. Online for Authors has come under the management of Visibility Pod. Visibility Pod manages the podcast as well as all of the guest and host booking and communication to get the episodes scheduled, up and running, and posted on to various platforms as well as creating all of our wonderful content. I'm currently a visibility strategist with Visibility Pod and offer coaching. Some coaching is offered via live visibility strategy sessions. Take those in and see if working with Visibility Pod, me as a strategist, is a fit for you. Email visibilitypodcasts at gmail.com. This is the Online for Authors podcast. Thanks for being here. Welcome to episode 13. It's All History with Barbara Ann Mojica. Barbara lives in the historic Hudson Valley region of New York. When not writing, reading, and reviewing books, blogging, creating educational videos, and sharing with fellow authors, she can be found boating in the summer and keeping up with world events, watching a good film, traveling, or enjoying nature in her backyard. Barbara is an author, educator, and parent. She provides tools to inspire, entertain, and educate youth. History is a key to solving today's problems. Tired of being bombarded by social media and the noise, she asks, accept the challenge, be a truth teller. Barbara is a historian and retired educator. Her education spans more than 40 years serving as a teacher, special educator, principal, and school district administrator using the whimsical Little Miss History character to narrate her book series, she makes learning history a fun-filled adventure. Barbara firmly believes if you don't know your history, you don't know what you're talking about. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Barbara. How are you today? I'm very good. Well, how are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for the Online for Authors podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, a pleasure. You have a wonderful book series geared at children with a character called Little Miss History. That's right. What would you like to share about that journey as an author with us? My journey as an author actually began 10 years ago. I have a long career in education. My background is in history. I have undergraduate and graduate degrees in history, but I went into education because I wanted also to work with people and I love kids. So in my long career, I worked with children uh, from preschool to seventh grade, and I worked with children in the general population as well as children with special needs. When I retired, I wanted to combine my two favorite things, history and teaching. So I decided to write a series of children's books. That began my journey 10 years ago. You believe that studying the past helps you understand the present and impact the future. Exactly. Uh, If we want to understand how we got to where we are today and how we can plan the best route forward, we need to understand the past. My mission is to instill that in our children who will become the leaders of tomorrow. I think right now our education system sorely neglects the teaching of history. It needs to be reintroduced and re-implemented. And since parents are our first teachers, 
I think it's important uh, to start there. I began writing this series of books, and my mission was to make history come alive for children and to make history come alive for families, because history is memory, and memory is important in our families, in our communities, and actually in our worldview. That was the way I began. Book series actually took flight in large part due to my husband, who is an illustrator, and he helped me design a character who was going to narrate this series and make it a lot of fun for both the children and the parents and the teachers who would eventually use it in their schools. So Little Miss History is a character who's based on a younger version of myself. She loves to travel. She is dressed kind of like a park ranger or a hiker, and she wears these oversized hiking boots. And those boots are in memory of my father, who actually had huge feet. So the boots got oversized. She wears pigtails like I did when I was young. She has a love of adventure. She has a love of travel. I always loved to travel. And as a young child, I didn't get to do that because unfortunately, my parents didn't have a lot of money. We didn't even have a car. So we didn't get to travel very much. That was always instilled in me, that love of wanting to see where all of these people from history came from and what they did. My love of travel is a very inherent part of my books. Have you had a chance to travel more now as an adult? Oh, yes. I started traveling as soon as I started working. And I actually have visited more than 25 countries and more than half the states. Soviet Union first opened to travel in the West back in in the 70s. I was one of the first to go there. So I visited Soviet Russia, Czechoslovakia and Poland and uh, Hungary. I saw the Berlin Wall, went through Checkpoint Charlie. I took myself to China when travel became more open open there. I've tried to open myself to all kinds of experiences. I travel widely in the United States as well. In fact, when I do write my books, we go to the sites and we take our own pictures. So the books are a mixed media project. They contain an actual collection of our photographs and drawings and photos and artifacts that we find from the past. They're all implemented in the book. So it gives the child more of a hands-on experience. We do try to involve the families as well. It's my hope and dream that many of the families will be able to actually visit the sites. Many of them are iconic uh, landmarks like the Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island, Ford's Theater. I had the pleasure of taking a journey with Little Mist History to Mount Vernon. Thank you very much for that. That was a pleasure to go through. Being a Canadian, I did go to school for one year actually in the States, and there was a lot of U.S. history in, in the school system. Not so much outside of the United States. 
but definitely a lot of the U.S. I didn't have a full educational background for U.S. history. I learned quite a few different things with regards to Mount Vernon from your book, and I appreciate the journey that you let me go on there. There's 14 different books in the series. Yes, Mount Vernon is an interesting one because it explores um, George Washington's real passion and his real passion was farming. What he really wanted to be was a farmer. So he was a general who was not so successful in the French and Indian War, but very successful in the Revolutionary War. He really couldn't wait to retire and get back to Mount Vernon. He was very interested in innovation he even had radiant heating in his greenhouse. I try to expose children to little-known facts of history. So I give them the overview and the setting in which they lived and worked. But I also introduce uh, other people and places that are sometimes left out or neglected in history. I have one book on the Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum. Now, that encompasses a lot of history because when you visit there, you can see on the deck planes from World War One and World War Two. You can also see the space shuttle. We have history all the way from World War One uh, up to modern times. And they have an explorium where children can visit and that's hands-on history. You can sit in a helicopter from the Vietnam War. You can see one of the early space capsules that came back to Earth. You can watch a movie to see how the soldiers lived in World War II. So it's a multitude of experiences. And in other books, like my La Brea Tarpitz book, we go all the way back to prehistory. We go back 40,000 years and we visit the La Brea Tarpitz, which are in the middle of Los Angeles and it actually sits on top of an oil field. So children can go back and they can see artifacts. They can see these scientists working because it is an active archaeological site. They can watch the artifacts being categorized. They can see what it was like for an animal to be stuck in the tar pits in the museum. They can see the fossils of mammoths and other ancient creatures. I hit on science. I hit uh, on other disciplines. I have another book about the North Pole. And in that book, we go to the North Pole and we talk about how the North Pole is not belonging to any one country, but it sits in territorial waters that are claimed by, in part by eight nations. So we go into a little bit of the history of the eight nations. We talk about some of the sea life, the animals that inhabit the North Pole. We talk about the explorers that went there, the first explorer, and the very less known Matthew Henson, who was the, actually the first African-American explorer who went with Perry to the North Pole. We talk about the Inuit, uh, about Native inhabitants. We do cover a multitude of disciplines. I propose questions like at Mount Rushmore, we have the monument to, uh, to four presidents. We also have nearby the Crazy Horse Monument, the monument to the Lakota Sioux who owned the land 
that Mount Rushmore was built on and was given to the United States by a treaty. But the United States reneged and took the land back. We talk about the two memorials, the rights of indigenous peoples. What do they think about the two memorials? Should we have one? Should we have both? Shouldn't we honor two great peoples? So all of the books are uh, trying to get children to think critically. And I think uh, history is wonderful for developing critical thinking skills. And critical thinking skills are necessary to success in any career. You take us on a, a very immersed journey. And from the point of view of an adult, not necessarily a child, I can see that there's definitely wonderful facts and a great little journey and a whimsical character to take us along. You do provoke thought and, like you say, critical thinking. My journey has been eye-opening, to say the least. I got into this with a passion for inspiring and entertaining and educating children about history and their world. If you don't have a passion, that's going to come through to your readers, no matter what genre you write in. The passion is something that every author needs. If, if you're in it just to write something and make some money, your readers are going to see right through that. So you need to have the passion. Go into it with your eyes wide open. Most authors are overwhelmed when they realize how much the process entails. That, of course, is different for different types of authors. If you are traditionally published, you get some support from the publisher. If you are not traditionally published, you are going to be doing almost all the work on your own. Although even with traditional publishing companies now, they do less and less of the work. So an author needs to be prepared to do the actual marketing and social media part, at least. In my case, I am printed with a small publishing company, Eugenist Studios, and I do most of the work myself outside of the technical work. The layout is done for me. My husband is the illustrator. I have that as an advantage because most authors who work with a traditional or a hybrid publisher don't get to choose their illustrator. When you don't get to choose your illustrator, it can be problematic for a picture book author like myself because the pictures are such an integral part of telling your story. You are showing so much more in addition to what you are telling. In a picture book, you're limited to under a thousand words. Most of my books hit around 750 words. You have to tell a lot in very few words. And that also means that you need to edit a lot. When you can't choose your illustrator, then you have to go back and forth and you may be limited to only one or two changes and you may not get the results that you want. So I am fortunate in that respect. There is so much that you need to do in research. The planning is great. In the beginning, I will admit I was really overwhelmed. I kind of learned step by step from my mistakes more than anything else. The 
keywords are so important when you put a book up. The categories are so important. The marketing, learning the algorithms on Amazon, which are constantly changing, learning how to get book reviews. Definitely marketing skills, definitely formatting and putting the book together, finding your key people and part of your team, such as your illustrator and your editor. Those are definitely skills that are needed to succeed as a published author, as well as marketing and getting uh, keywords and categories and wonderful things like that all lined up. What other advice would you have for us? I would encourage every author to develop strong relationships with other authors. They are not your competition. They are really your best friends. You can learn so much from them and you can help each other. A lot with your marketing, you can do cross-promoting. You can set up uh, blog tours. You can get do uh, giveaways. You can do blog posts with them. I find a lot of times there are ways to link up on blogs. There are things like author linkies where you set up a specific time and a whole group of authors come together to share their tips. You're probably familiar with linkies. Not that community directly, but there are several like it that there are authors that come together in communities, different sorts too, fiction, nonfiction, each genre. And uh, share all kinds of different. There's a crime writers community that I'm very familiar with that's local here. They do the same thing. They meet once a month and they definitely go through various different things and, and share on an ongoing basis, both in that meeting when they get together and gather, but also online and at events, large actual literary events as well. In my case, you have the Society of Children's Book Writers. That's another asset that... Uh, Writers in, in that genre can join. Writers Digest, which is a good resource for finding information as to what rates to charge for certain things, for finding places to get book reviews, for finding book contests, which is another good asset, especially for new authors to enter their books in book contests. And I have done that and I have done very well. I've won more than 24 book awards. Congratulations. Thank you. Are they different types of awards? Yes, there are different types. We have the, the Book Readers Appreciation Group, and that is geared toward indie authors. You apply to that, and they have many, many different genres. They have a system whereby the books are screened, and then they have different groups of people who screen the books from different areas of expertise, then they vote. More than 70% of the books are rejected. So if you win a, an award there, that's a pretty good recommendation. The Alliance of Independent Authors is another very good group for uh, indie published authors. And they provide all kinds of materials, help in avoiding scams, and they also have their own book award, the Book of the Year Award. I've been fortunate to win that with a few of my books. There's Reader's Favorite, of course, Reader's Favorite Reviews Books. And they also have an international book contest. Right. I've been able to win a few of those. There's the Book Excellence Awards. They review books of all 
different genres. So those are are some of them that I have participated in. There are some very specific awards. If your book falls into a very narrow niche like Western, there are awards that are geared toward those specifically. Another book that I found interesting was The Navigating Indie World, which for a brand new author will help not only an indie author, but any author. It goes into specifics from the beginning of writing the manuscript to each area that you are going to need to prepare on, such as the keywords, the categories, and they specifically give you resources where to look. There's a very good appendix with resources and websites to go to. They take each area of marketing like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and give tips on how to approach advertising in each of those. So that book was very good. Unfortunately, I didn't find it until I had published five or six books, but I would recommend that Navigating Indie World book for any uh, new author just starting out. Thank you. I want to back up a little bit and just talk about uh, looking out for scams. You brought this up, and I don't know that a lot of authors realize just how big that world is, how they can be snafued there. Well, I've had a few author friends who have been victim of scams. So there are a few, uh, I won't mention names, but there are a few publishing companies that were pretty widely used and all of a sudden went out of business overnight. Some of the authors who were with them had a great deal of trouble in getting their manuscripts back. Their books were virtually unpublished for a long period of time. They had to fight to get their materials back. They had been linked to these companies with their illustrators. So if they had new books in the pipeline, they were stuck. Uh, They had to go off and try to find a new uh, publishing venue, but also new illustrators. There are scams like that. And of course, the book Piracy itself, yeah, that's probably more common with the Mm -hmm. e-books than the printing books. I had one book that um, I found online that was being promoted by someone. I had to have that taken down and work. My publisher contacted Google and they are pretty good with that. If you contact Google and tell them that you have found something online that is suspect, they will investigate it. And uh, then if they find that your claim is true, they do take it down in pretty quick order. But that's an ongoing problem. You know, there are pirates all over. If you don't have the actual copyright message in your manuscript, you don't have too much of a leg to stand on if you haven't actually said that your material is copyrighted and it's not supposed to be distributed without permission. I think it's very important to highlight as a published author that that be part of anything you do, whether it's ebook or print or hard copy. However you distribute, even if it's uh, a review copy, that it actually has review copy on it so that it's not, for example, redistributed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, that's very important. One of the first things I did, and that was because the publishing company, of course, knew about this. I trademarked my logo and I copyrighted the book series and name. I did that with the first book. One of the things that I did get tripped up on was the Library of Congress number. Okay. Uh, initially, I did not 
realize that you needed to have that in push. It needs to be put in place before you actually publish the book. You cannot get it after the fact. So that's something that I learned, unfortunately, after publishing my first few books. Now, is that in addition to your ISBN? Yes. And in order to be registered at the Library of Congress, which is, of course, our largest archive of books, uh, you have to have that in the U.S., you have to have the uh, Library of Congress number. And that goes right on the page with the ISBN and the copyright information. Now, there's probably a, a way to go about applying for that. I'm not sure if there's a cost associated or anything like that, but I'm sure you would have a resource for that should somebody be looking for that type of information? Yeah, you just research the uh, Library of Congress online and on their website. You write to them. They give you a short form to to fill out. Then you need to send them a copy of the book and they look it over and approve it. And in short order, then you get the actual Library of Congress number. Okay, so there is somewhat of a process and you do need to leave a little bit of time to go through that process. Right. You need to leave a a couple of weeks at least. I would leave a month. Well, wonderful information. Appreciate that. Barbara, I appreciate your time today. Guests can find you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and you have a Pinterest account as well as littlemisshistory.com is your website. That's correct. And from the website, you can get to any of those avenues, YouTube, my teaching videos, uh, my blog resources. I review family-friendly books on my blog as well. So that's another resource for parents to find additional children's books in many different areas. Wonderful. And you have a mailing list. It says here that if you join the mailing list, you could be the first to know about new arrivals, sales, exclusive offers, and special events. So look forward to seeing more of you. Thank you for sharing your day with us. Thank you, Jennifer. Have a great day. Hope you enjoyed this episode. To get notifications of new releases, subscribe. You can also like, follow, download, and share. If you've enjoyed this, your friends will too.